earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Today is part two in our new series, The Acts of the Resurrection Life. As I mentioned last time, our journey through the book of Acts is a thematic journey. We're tracing the lives of the apostles and Christ followers as they display resurrection power in all that they do. And friends, this journey spotlighting the apostles and followers of Jesus is not just to learn about them, what they do, or what they did 2,000 years ago. The book of Acts is an alive book. God's Holy Spirit is alive and well and acting powerfully in and through the lives of Christ followers, yes, in the first century, but also in every century since. There's no expiration date on the book of Acts, no expiration date on the active working of the Holy Spirit, But I have a feeling, friends, that many of us have put an expiration date on the Holy Spirit and go through our daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly lives without really being conscious of Jesus' resurrection and what that incredible event and action actually did for us, did for our daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly lives. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus the Messiah had a powerful and lasting impact on his original followers, and I submit that our understanding and appreciation of Jesus' resurrection should have powerful and lasting implications for our lives right here, right now. In fact, the active working and power of the Holy Spirit was so important that one of Jesus' final commands to his disciples was, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city, that's Jerusalem, until you have been clothed with power from on high, per Luke 24:49. Last time in our introduction to Acts, we elaborated on the meaning of clothed and power that Luke used. And Jesus reiterates the importance of this power in Acts 1.8. It's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So today, let's begin our journey of seeing this power unleashed in Keith Christ followers and the effect it had on the people around them. Today's title is, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Temple, and we'll look at sections of Acts chapter 3. But first, here's a true story that occurred in Africa in the 1970s, which starts with a bizarre statement. I am the 22nd of 43 children born to my father and his seven wives. 
Friends, these are the words of Dr. Edward Muhima, then Director of African Enterprise Ministries in Uganda. Muhima's story is fascinating. His father sent him to a private Methodist school run by Christian missionaries. There, he became a Christian. During the murderous reign of Idi Amin, Muhima was harassed and threatened, so he left Uganda to study in the United States. On one of his return trips to Africa, he walked through a squalid slum area, and a beggar approached him and aggressively solicited him for money. Dr. Muhima had no money at this time, so he offered the beggar a copy of the Bible. Grabbing the Bible, the beggar showed his anger. I'll just use the pages of this book to roll my cigarettes, and sneered as he walked away. Ten years later, Dr. Mahima happened to be preaching in another city when a man in the large gathering stood up and interrupted him. He then blurted out, Sir, do you recognize me? Dr. Mahima replied that he was sorry, but he didn't look familiar. The man went on, Sir, ten years ago I begged you for money when you passed by, but instead you handed me a Bible. I was angry and coldly told you I'd use its pages to roll my cigarettes. And I did. I smoked my way through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But when I got to John, I read chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Well, sir, I'm a Christian now, and I'm here to thank you. Wow, friends, we never know how much our words, in tandem with God's word, the Bible, may have a lasting impact on a life, do we? This reminded me of Isaiah fifty-five, ten and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making its bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Well, I got to tell you, friends, some Christians abuse these verses as if they possess some kind of magical power. You see, through Isaiah, God is giving us a glimpse of the divine origin and character of his word. It accomplishes the purpose for which God sends it, because the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, per Hebrews 4.12. The beloved KJV says, For the word of God is quick, meaning living, and powerful. The NLT has, For the word of God is full of living power. You see, friends, this word power, or powerful used here, is where we get our English word energy, or energetic. It carries the meanings of active, effective, operating power. The focus is on power and not just the activity. Perhaps you're familiar with the traditional, well-loved hymn, Power in the Blood. The chorus declares, There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. 
friends, the words of Isaiah and Hebrews give us insight into the capabilities of God's Word, the fact that the power of God's Word is in its life-giving communication. And this life-giving communication of God's Word is both sharp and penetrating. It's a critic of our thought life and exposes the purposes or motives of our heart. So the Bible has the unique ability to both uncover the merits of our actions and reveal our hidden motives. Now, why this is important to grasp right at the outset, friends, is because in our selective journey through Acts, we're tracking the lives of the apostles and Christ followers as they exhibit or manifest resurrection power. And remember, power that they've received from the Holy Spirit, which is going to earmark them in a unique way, power that they're keenly aware of and appropriate for their own lives that then have a dramatic effect on the lives of others. And as a reminder, our thematic journey through Acts will also uncover the thread the Holy Spirit weaves throughout its pages, a thread that helps us see this power being manifested in various life situations that these Christ followers face daily. And the benefit, friends, is not just to learn about them, disciples from a bygone era, but to extract the practical application for us right here, right now. Well, without further ado, let's turn to Acts 3, 1 through 16, and discover that for Peter and John, a funny thing happened on the way to the temple. And don't forget now, the Holy Spirit is already here, and a power from on high has invaded their inmost being. And aside from receiving power, the Holy Spirit's also helping these followers of Jesus to switch their mindset from the ushering in of an earthly political military takeover to the ushering in of a heavenly or spiritual kingdom where power is exercised in a totally different way and from a different realm. The unleashing of this power signaled the dawning of a messianic age, contrary to the one they expected, but an age that will now infiltrate the present societal structures, changing them from within. From this point on, friends, everything the disciples do will point to a deeper spiritual reality and have a greater spiritual symbolism. Well, as the story unfolds, Peter and John are engaged in a customary activity, going to the temple at one of the set times to pray, three in the afternoon. So let's read. A man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witness of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see. Friends, being Jews, the disciples were quite familiar with the day's cycle of prayer. Going to the temple was not a whim, and it was not unusual or surprising to find poor and handicapped people begging in Jerusalem, and particularly at the temple complex. In fact, in Judaism, almsgiving was classed as a meritorious act, and especially meritorious when done on the temple property. It's likely this beggar intentionally positioned himself near the entrance gate so those coming to the temple could gain merit by giving him money. Remember when Peter looked straight at the beggar and said, Look at us! Well, friends, I've listened to testimonies from homeless people. Their universal complaint is that passers-by don't make eye contact with them, acting as if they don't exist. I guess passers-by think that by not acknowledging the homeless, they're somehow absolved of responsibility. Maybe it keeps them from being plagued by guilt. Friends, notice in verse 12, Peter acknowledges something significant. He asks the onlookers, Why do you stare at us, as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? And power here is a repeat of the word dunamai that Jesus promised the disciples would receive when the Holy Spirit came on them. You see what's happening here, friends? Peter's careful to not let anyone think the disciples of Jesus have their own power, and it healed the lame beggar. A little further into his railing against the crowd, he says in verse 16, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, let me stop for a moment because here's a lesson for us Christ followers today. I said earlier that I feared many of us have put an expiration date on the Holy Spirit. We tend to navigate our daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly lives without being conscious of the resurrection power we can appropriate from the Holy Spirit. 
Have we lost sight of what that incredible event and action actually did for us? Did for our daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly lives? Let's be honest, friends. How often do we trudge through our days and rely on our own power to get things done? Even serve the Lord. Now, I want us to see that Peter makes a connection between power and the name of Jesus. In verse 6, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then at the end of the account, he says to the crowd, It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, in the Semitic culture, Jews are Semites. A name does not just identify or distinguish a person. It expresses the very nature of his or her being. So the power of the person is present and available in the name of that person. This teaches us that the name of Jesus brings with it the power of Jesus. And Peter is careful to announce the name of Jesus when administering the power of Jesus for the beggar to rise and walk. And Peter is also careful to credit the resurrection of Jesus for the power he exhibited. In verse 15, when Peter says the crowd contributed to killing the author of life, he adds, but God raised him from the dead. So the power Jesus imparts is resurrection power. Friends, recall our underlying theme of Acts and the recurring truth interwoven throughout its pages. The fundamental character of God's kingdom is power. And the unregenerate religious and political rulers knew this. The very next chapter, chapter 4, finds Peter and John being seized by the temple guard and put in jail. The next day there was a powwow amongst the Jewish religious leaders. They brought Peter and John in for questioning. In chapter 4, verse 7, listen to their question. By what power or what name did you do this? Peter answers in verse 8, which sounds like the beginning of a rant. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Then in the midst of his conversation he adds, Know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Friends, let's keep Acts 1-8 fresh in our minds. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And let me just say here, because I want to make it clear that this power is not divorced from compassion. And compassion is not divorced from love. As a matter of fact, I propose that this power is manifested or displayed because of the disciples' compassion and love for people. You've probably heard the cliché, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Here's where we need to be careful, because power can go to our head, can it? So, let's recall Matthew in Matthew 9.36. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Friends, I believe that if we're filled with compassion for people, especially the lost, and we view them as harassed and helpless, our lust for personal power or the temptation to take credit for that power will be squelched. 
and in the name and power of Jesus, will reach out to others with the life-giving communication of God's word. Now, there are some additional truths embedded in this story that I don't want us to miss. In this entire event, an attribute stands out to me in describing Peter and John. Can you guess it? We're actually made privy to this apt attribute while Peter and John were standing before the Jewish religious leaders and being questioned. 4.13 says, When they, the religious rulers, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Hmm, it seems that spending time with Jesus brings courage. Well, the attribute is courage, and I contend they showed courage to speak and act with boldness. Remember, this series is called The Acts of the Resurrection Life. Friends, you gotta hear this prayer that these disciples prayed right after they left that interrogation room of the Jewish leaders. It begins in chapter 4, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly or with bold resolve. Well, I don't know about you, friends, but that prayer made it clear to me that the disciples fully expected to be given power when they needed it. As spirit-filled men on a mission, their courage gave them boldness, and this realization should challenge us right here, right now. Well, a second attribute the disciples exhibited that stood out to me was availability and especially their sensitivity to divine opportunities God staged. I believe these disciples were detectives of the divine. We can miss this in the story if we're not observant. After all, it was during their common daily routines that God orchestrated this opportunity to be a witness of and to his power. Friends, this got me thinking. Are we so absorbed in our own daily routines, so focused on our own lives, that we're now spiritually dulled to divine opportunities God stages for us? Divine opportunities that may show up while we're in the midst of one of our ordinary days? Have we lost our sensitivity to be detectives of the divine? Well, I'm going to challenge us all with a few sobering questions. One, do I really believe I've been given resurrection power? 
Two, can this power impact the way I live daily? And can I activate it to impact the lives of others? Three, have I shoved 2 Timothy 1.7 under the rug? God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity or cowardice, but of power and love and a sound mind. So, friends, the poignant parting question I'm going to leave with us all today is, do I have the courage to speak and act with boldness when divine opportunities come my way? And can I, can we welcome them with an amen? I hope so. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program. Our broadcast will close with an email where you may write me. I'd love to hear your feedback on these teachings and what this program has meant to you. Recently, a listener wrote in regarding the last series on scrutinizing scripture and said, As always, another inspiring message. May God continue to bless your ministry. Thank you so much for your encouraging words. And remember, friends, all podcasts of A Word from the Word are freely accessible at faithtalk1360.com. That's faithtalk1360.com. Just search for local program podcasts. And please forward these podcasts to family or friends that might be touched or blessed by these teachings. And friends, if a word from the word is blessing you, please become a support team member. Just ask for the details. It's people like you that keep this listener-supported program on the air. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember... Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. <laughs>